Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. How was Imkas? <laughs> have, you, have you had any of your special cookies no, today? Not today. <laughs> no. Um, How was it? How was your trip? It was. It was awesome, actually. I yeah. had a really, really, really good time. Um, I don't really know where except to start. For your, uh, except for your 300-hour flight home yeah, with delays. So, and <laughs> yeah, I won't bore everyone with that, but yeah, I did get delayed getting home by about nearly two days. Oh, wow. I had a, I had a random night in Denmark. I've never been to Denmark. How was that? Anything interesting, fun? Anything you can't talk about? I was, no. <laughs> I was on my own, uh, pretty average hotel yeah and then i was like okay i'll go for a walk because the the airline who delayed me gave me some vouchers right and basically said you know feed yourself so i went to a traditional danish pub right what's, and what's that not, like? exactly exactly what is that like it just it looks like a pub um but they served you know slight, slightly different things it was nice it was tasty uh, similar to like a German pub in terms of... Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, wooden panelled and right. quite sort of old and dark, but, you know, n- nice beers and, and nice home-cooked food. And right. there was lots of old people there. I was the only... I'm Young-ish. Old, they were even Young-ish. older than me. Yeah. Right. So, and what, and um, how do you rate the beer? It was nice. It was tasty. Um, they were trying to get me to drink Aquavit, which is like a shot. Right. Like traditional shots. I was like, no, no, no. I'm just going to have a beer. God. Thank you. And airports were chaos? airports everywhere and, and not just airports train stations um you know anything to do with travel i yeah i've still not got my head around it. i mean every industry including yeah. you know our industry we just can't get staff oh, i'm sort of wondering well hold on we're in this hyper inflation mode where everyone wants money and yet no one wants to work or, or, or there seemingly are no one no people to work yeah well, what what i think it's multifaceted problem I think um, I think I, th- I think the whole um, pandemic was a bit of a. It gave people enough time to think about the amount of hours they give to their jobs yeah. and potentially reassessing what's important. So I think there's a lot of people who have decided they don't want to work as much and spend more time with their families or doing things that they like. So I think there's an element of people working but not wanting to work as much. See, I get that. Yeah. But then at the same time, people are freaking out that they can't even buy food yeah. or pay their mortgage, let alone go on holiday. Yeah. And, and so then, it and doesn't the, add up. Well, then, see, the problem is everything's connected to each other. It's like So one issue then causes a domino effect and affects everything else. So when you've got a, like a world economy that essentially stops other than essential services, yeah. it's kind of hard to get it restarted. And then all these government handouts, which I understand why they were needed, sort of program people that you can get money for doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then I think there's still, I'm not sure about the situations in all different parts of the world, but I know that there's still payments being made here. I think there's changes happening all the time, but I think it did sort of condition people. Change the psyche. Yeah, I think it did. So I think it's going to take a time, time mm. for that to to kick back into gear. And then when you've got a shortage in the workforce and the people that are working are demanding more money, which increase the cost of businesses, businesses pass that on to their customers yeah. and so on and so forth. And it just continues to roll on until 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I read an interesting thing. I can't remember where it was, probably in a newspaper. And they were saying, you know, on balance, I think it was an economist talking, mm. would you prefer the government to have given us nothing and we all basically perish mm. and mm-hmm. use every last bit of our savings and, yeah. you know, lose our house potentially over a pandemic? Yeah. Or did they overcompensate and we just have to have a bit of pain now? Um, I, I would go with option two. I think so, but, you know... It, <laughs> I think the governments aren't what they used to be generally mm. around the world. I think there's a lot of incompetence. There's a lot of failure to plan mm. for things. And I think that the whole idea of giving people uh, money when they can't work was a good thing. But there are a lot of people that made money that like, – a lot of people that were given money that didn't need the money. A lot of, a lot yeah. of large corporations got huge amounts of money. I'm not sure how much – there was a big, a big debate or big talk about it on – national TV here in Australia with our treasurer that gave away all these billions of dollars to companies that didn't need it. So I I think the concept was right. Execution was a fail, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. uh, And people will say, oh, it happened, you know, no, no, it was coming. But, you know, that's what we pay all our taxes for. I mean, these people take, you know, 30 to 50% of every dollar that people make. Mm. So you'd, you'd think that for all that money that they're taking, that this would be something that would they would have thought about, planned. I mean, there's been books written on this. Bill Gates has been predicting, you know, the, uh, these pandemics for a long time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean surely there'd be some sort of... <laughs> look, there's yeah. movies on asteroids yeah. hitting the Earth. Of course. I don't think we really have a plan for it. <laughs> no. So. Um, but I, in terms of giving out money to people that didn't need it, I think that there's been a lot of wastage and, and the people that are going to have to pay it back. Yeah people like you and me, because we all know at the very top of the food chain, those companies mm. manage to minimise their tax to a huge amount. <laughs> a huge, so they don't pay a lot and all the people in the middle end up getting crushed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's interesting times and a very interesting time for you to be unemployed. So yes, first time let, that I've been. Let's recap. Yeah. Um, some people may not have heard. Yeah, well, I've, I've sold all my, my clinics and um, I've just decided it's time to have a break. And, doing it for a long time, to be ne- fair. Nearly 15 years, 15 yeah. years in, in, that particular, in this particular business. Um, so an opportunity to sort of sit back and, and sort of assess what's important to me in my life, where I might be able to use my skills moving forward, um, and also to see what happens with this industry. Hmm. Um, because there's a lot of things happening. We've obviously got what we just spoke about, which is all of the economic pressures and, and sort of different challenges that, that are happening there. And then looking at our industry here in Australia, which I think will be going through some sort of consolidation process. Yeah. I remember um, when the, the pandemic first hit, we had Bob Akmoyne on, yes. our good friend. And we were predicting pain for a long, yeah. long, 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 long time. And and we almost, well, I thought we'd almost dodged it. Yeah. And, and he said, no, it's coming. It's coming. It's yeah. just, you know, it needs to filter through. Things need to, um, yeah. you know, settle down before you know the reality, I guess. Yeah. And maybe this is it. Well, you know, interest rates, I think there was another rate rise announced yesterday by the RBA, which is the Reserve Bank of Australia. Yeah. Um, I think the Commonwealth Bank, I read this morning, have already increased their interest rates. So they've already passed it on immediately. The other three or four banks haven't yet. So Westpac, NAB, St. George, I think haven't yet, but they probably will or they will. So that we're good podcasters. Can right. you explain to the people who don't fully understand what we mean by interest rates and cash rates and <laughs> et cetera? Tell the well, people. Well, so, and I mean, me I, as well. I, so disclaimer, I'm not an economist, um, <laughs> but just my, my understanding is, is someone that sort of tries to stay current and, and I'm aware of what's going on, particularly from an economic perspective, is that so the Reserve Bank of Australia sets the cash rate mm. that money's borrowed at and that generally then dictates um, or guides what the major banks then 
lend their money out at. Correct. So, and they need to make a small profit. Correct. On that. So everyone's making a cut on the way through. So if the Reserve Bank increases it, then those four banks or the, the mate, all the banks will increase their rates as well. But it's always higher. The, 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 bank, the interest rate that the bank charges customers like you and I or businesses is higher than what they get it from. Yeah, the RBA otherwise from. they don't have a job. Correct. So, I mean, our interest rates, I mean, I was lucky. I, I sort of saw this coming last year and locked in my home loan at something like 2%, 2.29 or something like that last year. It's now gone up to five. They were predicting it's going to go up to about six, six and a half percent. <laughs> yeah. So, for people that are leveraged, highly leveraged, which means that they're, they've got- um, Borrowed a lot. Borrowed more as a percentage of their loan of, of, and- are going to potentially be facing some tough times mm. um, because when those int- – I mean, for example, like my mortgage would have gone up, my repayments would have gone up like <laughs> to like at least twice, like double. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think that we've lived in a time with almost free money for the last 10 or 15 years, interest rates so low. Yeah. And people have been taking out big mortgages, big big loans – um, because this sort of a thing. Credit ha- cards. Correct. So there will be an adjustment period, I think. Yeah, anyway. how, how do you think that directly affects our industry? Well, it does. I don't think it directly, indirectly. Well, but I mean, presumably the, consumers were going to spend correct, less potentially. Correct. You know, so I think that you might, I don't think people are going to stop treatments. They may just alter their habits in terms mm. of maybe they're not going to get fillers this time around. Maybe it's just toxins. Maybe they're getting smaller doses more frequently. So they're not, you know, outlaying large chunks of money. You probably mm. see an increase in people using all those afterpay services potentially who don't have that cash on hand. Yeah. Like, um, like delayed time between getting treatments done. Hmm. It's hard to say how it's going to affect people, but traditionally these sorts of industries are pretty resistant or resilient against these economic pressures because people, um, people's we, vanity and people, you know, we the saw way, them go bananas. Yeah, the so pandemic. people, yeah, so people would forego a holiday or a new pair of shoes or a car to still maintain the way that they look. It's so, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it does, you know, at the same time, it's sort of, you know, you look at it just from an outsider's perspective looking in and go, wow, we care more about what we look like than, you know, than, than other things. And Well, uh, look, I'm going to get on my injector's high horse here. Maybe it's not just looking good, but it's the feeling good. You know, we all know that when yeah. our Botox sets in or yep. our toxin sets in, sure, the lines go, but we feel so much better. Yeah. And that that's powerful. Yeah, it is. I mean, it does affect your, your psyche, the way you interact with people around you, the more confident and positive you feel about yourself, the mm. better you perform. So yeah, I mean, it does all, it is all interrelated. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I've got a question now you're out of the industry. Maybe I can yeah. ask a question where you're possibly more objective. Who yeah. knows? Do you think that higher volume clinics like let's not name any names, chain clinics, yeah. but lower price point, do you think they're more sensitive to those consumers being more budget conscious? versus boutique higher end let's call it higher end you know what i mean yeah um that's a good question i think that um the lower priced or the you know the chain clinics that offer more competitive prices or a lower price price point i mean those consumers are obviously more price sensitive to begin with yeah um so in terms of what's going to happen moving forward i think the people that go to places such as you know, where you treat out of, you know, Dr. Charles Cope's um, offices here in, in Sydney. Mm. Um, probably price isn't an issue for them in any event. They're coming to you because they want to. I mean, there's obviously a threshold, right, to a, for to sure. a certain don't, degree. Don't get me wrong. Our patients are still Sense. concerned with yes. money, but 
They are paying more for sure. Yeah, they're yeah. coming because they can get. I mean, they can't get the Jake Sloan experience, but I mean, you know, there are lots of competent injectors around. They could probably do a, an okay kind of similar kind of job. So they're coming oh, yeah. to you and they're paying that extra because of the experience, your expertise, and so on. So I think that, I think that if anything, the chain clinics potentially could feel it more. It's mm. hard. It's honestly, it's really hard to say. It really depends on, yeah. you know, how bad the pain gets for people. Yeah. Um, you know, you potentially could have people that are just able to afford you that then go, you know what, I can't afford the prices that Dr. Sloan charges. I'm going to go to a chain clinic. Yeah, and, then you've got people, and then you've got people who go to chain clinics who are, you know, already super price sensitive who might just say, look, it's just not in the budget for me at all at the moment. I'm going to take six months off, 12 months yeah, off. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a these- mixture. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get us wrong. I, I have patients who are price sensitive for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but probably less so. Yeah. A, 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 on the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Or, you know, we might see an increase if people start, you know, not re- going on holidays again. Yeah, reprioritizing their financials. Then maybe they're going to forego that the pair of Louboutin shoes or that holiday or whatever it is. And they're going to come in and, mm. in, in, and prioritize their money elsewhere because that makes them feel good. They can't go to the Maldives, but they can get their talks done <laughs> and they feel much better about themselves. Tell you what, with this weather, I'd love to go to the Maldives. Well, it's not, it's not, it has not stopped raining in almost two, uh, well, this is the second week. And it's been pretty full on. And before I went to Europe, it just stopped after six months of being like this. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. It is so much. So <laughs> sorry. Much. I mean, yeah. I'm sitting here laughing, but sorry if, you've, if you're dealing with floods or... Oh, it's crazy. You've had a couple of leaks here. I yeah, believe. I've had a couple of issues. There's a couple of issues in the building at the moment. I'm in the middle of renovations, so I've had like... You know, lean left sort of in a little bit of a construction zone because these you, guys. You're building out. an outside studio for us? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can record out there for sure. We probably could. Um, but yeah, notice we're renovating my, my garden outside deck area. And um, yeah, I've been in a state of construction for almost the last four months. That's interesting, particularly with not being able to get hold of builders, supplies yep. being expensive or. Oh, my. The not cost available. of my build went up by. Probably almost ten to fifteen thousand. Just in, in from when I got the quotation to like when they started the job. I was like, hey, oh well, materials have gone up, wages have gone up. Unfortunately, if you Crazy. still want to proceed. This is this is the price now. So oh well. So what are you going to do with yourself now? You're not. Well, I'll dedicate it. more time to the podcast. I've been Yay. thinking. Yeah, I've been thinking about um, different things that I potentially do, like potentially uh, looking at consulting. Mm. I've got a lot of industry, a lot of experience. You heard it here first. Yeah. So, you know, I guess looking at, at uh, cosmetic clinics or aesthetic practices and, and, you know, potentially offering support from a business perspective, compliance, um, working with injectors, a lot of business people who don't, who get into this industry that don't understand all the nuances. Yeah. You know, especially from like a medical perspective, you know, dealing with the, you know, typical injector psyche or doctor nurse psyche, what drives them, what motivates them, how to hold on to them, how to get the best out of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I probably would start looking at that. I would like to, I like helping people. So I think it could be interesting to offer some of those experiences and knowledges, knowledge that I have to try and help people with their businesses. So mm. potentially could be looking at that. Um, that's about it at the moment. I haven't really given it that much thought because I don't just the... Well, there's a set of drums in the corner yeah. that you're practicing quite a lot now. Yeah. So getting back into music, <laughs> obviously the bonsai, we can dedicate a bit more time to that as well. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm just uh, going to breathe for a month or so and, and sit and see what happens. And yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I'll keep you posted. But yeah, I've got a few ideas. Good, good, good. Yeah. Um, so what's this podcast about today? God, we're talking about lots of different stuff. We're talking about ultrasound. We're talking about, um, the, well, I guess, you know, a topic that's quite prominent 
in the landscape at the moment is this whole tribalism and mm. issues. There's a lot of discussion around KOLs and the influence of, of sort of large pharmaceutical companies and the influence they have on the way things are done in terms of training, you know, using – you know, uh, studies to sort of show that their product's better than a competitor product or trying to find, you know, an, an, a competitive edge. And then, I, you know, it sort of this raises the question, you know, are these KOLs potentially giving biased opinions and are those biased opinions um, safe? Is it the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. Are we potentially shaping a whole generation of injectors with information that's, you know, driven by financial gain? And, I mean, that's look, that's the way the world works. You know, we're all... We turn up to work, we're doing it for a reason, we want to make money to feed our families and, <laughs> and reach the goals that we set for ourselves. But I think that it's always good to question these things because, for sure. um, you know, the power of economics and the influence of large corporations, um, I guess the world over, is extremely powerful. And I think whilst what these companies do is amazing, there needs to be checks and balances in place to make sure that it doesn't go too, too far one direction where all the information that's coming out is so one-sided and so... Um, motivated by financial gain that you lose ob objectivity. Yeah. And I think that's something that's quite topical at the moment. Yeah. And we've seen it raging this week on Instagram. <clears throat> yeah. We're not going to mention any names so we don't get sued. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you haven't heard, there was a story going around from an injector in the States who apparently uh, had a, an illness and, and he relates it to a filler that you had, yeah. in, you know, several years ago now. And, you know, it's just a, a throwaway story really um wasn't even a post so it sort of disappeared yeah and injectors were in meltdown mode yeah. they were losing their minds and questioning their reality and you yeah. know is there a god and yeah it just it, it went a bit crazy and but you know it, it was a good stimulus for, for debate about that stuff that you were just saying yeah um you know we, we should always have checks and balances and look at ourselves and and question our technique and and products and can we can we be better as an injector so yeah i don't i don't exactly know how we're gonna <laughs> tackle all of it but we'll try yeah um so you mentioned ultrasound i mean i thought i would just go through some learnings um or, or key takeaways that i had from my trip yep. yeah so yeah i mean look, ultrasound was my main reason for going um you know i went with the key goal of coming away with some basic skill mm -hmm. and, and and i have that and and i was actually surprised at both looking at the learning curve that I will have to do, but also what I took away. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's not so difficult that you can't learn anything. Yeah. And I remember speaking to um, Stephen Liu, I think a few years ago, he, he tried it and, and he said, it's going to be a really steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. And it sort of mentally put me off. Right. You know, hearing that from Stephen, apart from anyone else, if, if he thinks it's hard, well, how's the average injector going yeah. to find it? Um, but it was, it was great. And, and I met Leonie, who, who we're going to have on our yep. next podcast. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I met Stella, who we're going to have on our next podcast. These are doctors from Holland and um, the States. I met Steve Weiner, who we've had oh, on. He's, he's a the rejuvenator. The rejuvenator, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all these people are leading the way with ultrasound and, and literally had them all in the same room. Right. And they shared their knowledge. And it was fantastic. So, yes, I think ultrasound is definitely going to be it's, – it's a paradigm shift. It's a different yep. way of thinking and looking. It's not going to be for everyone. Yep. Certainly not going to say to every injector, you've got to learn to do this. But mm. for the people who want to or, or you know, want to manage complications and – basically just take their injecting probably to their next level, then it, it, it it's a no-brainer, so I think. You, so you don't think that five years from now it won't be in every practice, it won't be? It will filter through for yeah. sure. I mean, 
you know, uh, might as well announce it now. I'm going to yeah. be running a oh. course. Yeah. So on August the 10th, so it's not long away, but right. I'll be putting up a post tonight, which will be before this podcast comes out, which right. is weird. <laughs> so you're, you're running a course? I'll be co-directing. Co-directing so, course. So uh, I'm certainly not the, 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 the lead brains behind it. Right. So Peter Veltheus, who works with Leone in Holland, and Tom DeCates. Oh, it's part of the, all du- the Dutch group. from the same Dutch yeah. group. Yeah. yeah. He'll be coming across um, and, you know, we'll host a small group. It's not right. going to be too big. Um, we're going to try and get another trainer to just to help out. Um, but you know, there'll be a lot of theory. Um, we've got five hours of dedicated e-learning. So that's all done before you come because you know, you can't do a didactic lecture teaching people about basic physics. It's too boring. You can do that in your own time. And once you come back with that basic knowledge, then you want to get the hands on and actually play. Yeah. So yeah, so that's how the course runs. And, And the course has been running for, well, 2019, I think right. they started the um, cutaneous, it's called. Yeah. Um, so they, they've got a model, they know it works, they're the world leaders in this stuff. Right. So yes, I think in five years time, yeah. injectors who are keen or or even maybe newer injectors where, where it becomes more normal, yeah. they'll just be exposed to it more. It's a bit like, you know, when cannulas first came out, everyone thought it was ridiculous and crazy. Yeah. And, you know, starting to treat other areas of the face. It, 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 it's not accepted and then suddenly it's normal. Mm. So, yeah, I think in five years' time, many clinics, maybe not all, but yeah. many clinics will have it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, over the next five years if, the, you know, complication rate goes down, especially with, you know, screening areas that are potentially high risk, like temples, for example. Yeah. Um, whether we do get a decrease in... Um, complications, um, whether or not, also when complications do occur from, I guess, an injector and patient perspective, how have they been handled? Is there a difference in how quickly and efficiently and like, I guess, less traumatically for patients? So rather than flooding an area with like 900,000 units of, <laughs> of Hylase or Hylanex yes. or whatever it is you're using in your country, you can just pinpoint it and go, there's the issue, bang. Yes. Um, because, I mean, yeah, it's quite know, traumatic getting that. I would imagine it would be very traumatic getting that volume of, of, of hyaluronidase like pumped yeah, into, I mean, into look, the body. I think complications are still, thank God, knock, knock on wood, rare. Yeah. Especially in things like the temple. Mm. I mean, we're talking about things like blindness yeah. uh, for, for a severe complication. Because yeah. if you get an occlusion in the temple, you're, you're basically risking blindness. Yeah. Um, so that's still low. But sure, like if you can, I mean, I was doing it today. I was practicing this morning with um, yeah. Stuart Turner. He works for a company called Real Time Machines. Right. And we'll actually be doing our next podcast with Stuart, Leone and Stella. Oh, wow. To talk about, yep. you know, how do people get into this? So don't worry, we, we will do a podcast on this next week. Yeah. But you know, you just scan a temple. It takes 15 seconds yeah. and you turn on the color Doppler, which is basically looking at the vessels. And if you see it down on the bone where most people do a needle, you then wouldn't. Yeah. Or or you'd be very stupid to. So would you sort of mark with like a pencil or something where that danger point is and go around it? Or like, would you just avoid? I think for your, you know, even for me, I'm just learning. Um, that might be too simplistic, right? Because you've got to remember that what you see on a screen is two D. Yeah, it it it's it's not easy to to locate right e- exactly. You know, you know, it's under your probe. Yeah, and and on the middle of your probe, if 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 you've got it lined up properly. But I think for me, my takeaway would be the vessel is deep on the bone. I'm going to change my technique and how, what, or not do it. Right. And how would you change your technique if that's... So there's different techniques. There's about six ways of doing a temple. Right. Um, Sebastian Cotofana, the sort of famous anatomist, he's described at least six ways. Right. Um, but the way I would like to start doing my temples is 
it's called the interfascial plane. So it's kind of in the midpoint right. where, um, you know, if you can see there are no major vessels, it actually contains the filler and has more of a volumizing effect on the surface. Right. You so, get more bang for your buck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You might actually get away with using less filler, better result, yeah. and inverted commas, safer. Right. Um, okay. So win-win. Yeah. And in terms of the technology itself, like what is the most challenging part of the process? Is it the coordination between, um, I guess, well, I, I don't know whether you're injecting at the same time, potentially as you've got the probe over the area, I guess you would for, for a complication. For those kind yeah. of simple things, yes. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not going to sit here and ever think it's realistic or, or promote live injecting with a scanner all over the face. I think yeah. that's way out of the scope of what what we're talking about right but there there will be people like stella and leone who probably could do it right but your average injector just wants to have a look yep. so we call it vascular mapping um more uh sorry accurate injecting so yep. that interfascial plane that i was discussing and maybe complications management so yep. if someone's got a lump and and they weren't even treated at your clinic and they turn up saying look doc i've got a lump yeah well what is it now, exactly now look <laughs> yeah like tom decate says he doesn't consider treating a lump without looking with ultrasound now yeah so i think it's awesome yeah it's the it's, it's the way forward it's like um cars before seat belts <laughs> well a bit better than that but yeah yeah well i mean you know i mean it's hard to believe that there was a time where people just drove around in these cars without without any sort of <laughs> with no seat belts and it's just like you wouldn't it's just standard now so yeah maybe not you know the perfect uh, analogy but it seems like we were blissfully unaware that there were potential issues. Now we're aware there are issues and yeah. now we're making strides toward how do we reduce those? And I think patients will appreciate it too. I mean, because as these, you know, these stories come out and, you know, just the way that information can spread. Hmm. And I think the general level of consumer knowledge, sometimes it's misguided and sometimes it's annoying because yeah. people have half baked information. They don't have any sort of medical training to be able to, understand what it is they're reading and interpret it but i think on, on the whole people are a lot more educated than what they used to be correct and so i think this will give those those patients a greater level of comfort to know that oh, hey the place i'm going to i've got one patient yeah. obviously not going to name her i think she might even listen she'll she'll know i'm referencing her if she listens <laughs> we kind of joke i mean it's not a joke but we kind of joke that every time i do her temples because she she has had her temples done a few times yeah she'll say to me, is this the day I go blind? Oh my God. And she's serious. She's actually genuinely scared and, and she was anxious and she put it off oh for years God. until she came across me and so on. And, and we've eventually done it and she's got over the fear a lot, but it's always a nagging thing in yeah. the back of her mind. She doesn't matter where I treat on the face, but if I do temple, yeah. because she's read it on Instagram that, you know, yeah. you can go blind. It's, you know, it's an understandable fear, but it's something that's almost a mental block for her. Mm. Whereas, if I can show her her arteries, yep. I'm very confident that she'll be more more yeah. know, happy with the treatment. I wonder as well if the interface will get simpler. I think back to like my first computer that I had, which was like an Amstrad 20 megabyte mm. paperweight. That There was no GUI interface. You had no like Microsoft um uh, sort of you know the the sort of where you can just sort of use looks a mouse nice. it looks like you had to use ms dos you had to type <laughs> you know see yeah i can't remember all the codes are, but you basically had to yeah, understand yeah. You, you were sort of typing in yeah. you know go to this directory run this file yeah you know and, and but so i wonder whether we're sort of at that ms dos stage with these types of um these types of I've, scanners and if they will get more user friendly like almost oh you they can will. pick it up in five minutes and go boom yeah and like very easy to read like they'll identify yeah you'll sort of set what it is you're looking for and it will 
put them in a, it'll just make it very easy for someone that's even a novice to be able to go, yep, that's what I want to avoid. Yeah. Look, I've played with two, maybe even three systems. Now they're all different, but they're relatively user friendly, but, but I would definitely agree. They're not facial aesthetic specific. Yeah. They're still multi, well, they're targeted at, you know, physios doing PRP and all sorts of types of people who might use an ultrasound, but I think, you know, the, the demand will be there eventually yeah. where we need a facial aesthetic interface. Oh, I mean, the that company that makes this will make an absolute fortune. If you could have like an idiot proof, yeah. I'm not calling anyone an idiot. If you have an idiot proof <laughs> scanner that anyone could pick up in very quickly and use, yeah, I mean, that's what drives innovation, isn't it really? Is just uh, <laughs> the commercial reality of what you're going to be able to do with that product. So, For sure. Now yeah. we're in danger of sorry. doing a yes. podcast when we're doing that one next yeah, week. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, we- <laughs> so we're going to stop there talking about ultrasound. Sorry, yes, we'll move on. Yes. Um, what else do I notice? Well, this one will introduce you is the anti-aging stuff. Mm? So I went to the Science of Aging conference um, run by Stephanie Manson-Brown, who yes. we had on mm-hmm. uh, the podcast quite a while ago now. She's the head of R&D at Allegan. But they also do a side conference about anti-aging, so nothing to do with aesthetics, right up your alley. Yeah. And your main man, David Sinclair, did yep. the keynote speech. What do you think? Was he there in person? No, I, I, I assumed he would be, but no, it was a Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, but, right. um, so, so if you don't know, David Sinclair is a doctor in America. and He's, he's Australian, from- though. Well, yeah. Okay, he's Australian, but he's yes, in America. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought from his accent, he he sounded English, but he's no. Not. I'm pretty sure he's Australian. Yeah, it's probably just modelled. Yeah, from from all the time. Ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he he's probably the most well known doctor right now, leading anti aging research, yep. and mm-hmm. and you know more than me because you listen to all the podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I've heard about him on on Rogan's podcast couple of years ago and yeah. i think i've been talking about this for ages is like that's where i think anti like that's where medicine is going you're yeah. going to see this converging of um medicine on a cellular level and sort of a superficial level that you're you you know you're you're treating with you know toxins and fillers and biostimulators and so on yeah um you'll start to see those lines blur more and more yeah. um and a, a, attacking aging from a cellular level from a proactive perspective rather than a reactionary perspective Correct. and i think that we are we will see i don't think ever i don't think there's ever going to be a point where fillers and toxins will not be there they'll always be there but they might be used for different things enhancing rather I, than rather it's than it's really interesting so i'll just give the listeners an example because this is how crazy it is yeah. so i can't give you the science behind it but basically they've worked out a way to artificially age animals and they were doing it on mice right so they use something which basically breaks up the DNA at certain points that they know to target, which are the aging genes. Yeah. And, you know, you can visibly see these mice age compared right. to the control group. So right. they're, they're gray, reduced muscle mass, yeah. um, kidney functions poorer. So it's not just visibly, that, but you Internally. Know, physically mm. and biologically, they're, they're older. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's kind of interesting. But what they then did is they managed to repair the DNA and make them go backwards in time and made them young again. Oh, wow. So I'm like, you know, if that technology, you know, it could be five or 10 years or more away, but if the premise is correct and we can do that, then maybe there is a point where what we're doing with superficial treatments is a bit redundant. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It's probably a long time away and, you know. But is it redundant? I mean, because people who are in their 20s and late teens are getting treatments. Again, their lips done, they're getting their cheeks enhanced. So, sure. I mean, I think there'll still be 
Like even if you manage to stay young forever. Yeah, yeah. look, our um, enhancement yes, treatments and, and beautification, that's different. But, you know, aging, yeah. where you get wrinkles and saggy skin yeah. and reduce volume. I don't know. I, I think it's fascinating. How much easier is your job going to be? I think I've spoken about this before. How much easier would your job become if you could say to these patients, right, we're going to put you on a course of anti-aging <laughs> intervention treatments for the next 12 months and they come <laughs> back in and all their tissue is great. You're going to get an amazing result. Do you remember the film The Fly? Yes. I, I, I'm imagining like a booth in my room where I just press a button and yeah. all these lights go off and then people come out younger. Yeah. And then you just go, right, now let's get on to the fun stuff. <laughs> Because that's yeah. part of the challenge, right? As an injector, is dealing with those, you know, deflated tissue or yeah. you know, poor. Um, These are the challenges yeah. that we don't really have a, a, a good instrument for yet. Yeah, and, and and even surgery is kind of the wrong thing to do for these people. They actually need volume and and skin elasticity. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, because otherwise you're just like you know these patients that you're just like putting meal after meal after. It's almost like a black hole because mm. there's no there's no there's no structure there. Well, yes. that brings me on to my next takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a very cool new filler called Harmonica. Mm. We actually I think we've spoken about it before. We it did. Sounds familiar. Yeah, we had Andre Brazon when we were doing the Beauty of the World. Oh, that's right. And he this is quite a long time ago now. It's like a couple know, of years, a year ago at least. He was playing with uh, a filler called Harmonica that used to be owned by an Israeli filler company called Luminera. Right. And long, 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 long story cut short, Allegan have now purchased that company um, because they saw, you know, the benefits of it. And I think for some of these smaller filler companies, they also see the benefit in working with a bigger company. Yeah. They, they could never scale it. They could never get the reach. And, and to some extent, they might not get the... Um, it's hard to build that reputation. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in a country like Israel that's, you know, they actually lead the way in a lot of stuff like yeah. laser technology yep. and, and so on. But with filler, it's a bit more obscure. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more people who kind of go, Israeli filler. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Allegan saw the benefit. And anyway, I saw the um, filler being used. Right. And um, what is it? Is it just an HA, obviously? Well, we're not going to call it a filler. We're going to call it a hybrid injectable. Right. So it's a mixture of HA and calcium. Um, so similar to radius kind of thing. Yeah. Similar. If you want to put it that way, similar to that, but it's a, it's a, it's a blend of the two. Right. So, you know, they come in a tube where it's already mixed up. Right. Um, and it's injected in a more of a superficial plane. So you're not going deep down on bone because right. obviously calcium fillers, we don't want to risk. Yeah. Occlusions. <laughs> but the, the results that I saw, um, Andre show me, um, were, pretty damn good i right. mean for a lot of my australian patients with skin damage yep. and, and elasticity just like we were saying they're the ones where i sort of go Ugh, yeah I, I think you need some laser treatment first you might you know yeah. go for some um pdo threads if you're yeah. into that or, or a biostimulator but yeah. we don't really know what what to do we're yeah. sort of just throwing stuff at a problem that yeah. is difficult to treat and then you, you look at it from the patient's perspective you know that amount of filler costs a lot of money and i know from an injector's perspective and a business owner's perspective that the expectation from the patient as far as a result goes when they're outlaying that sort of money yeah you're like you're it's, hoping you can work miracles because if someone's right. dropping like five six seven thousand dollars on filler they're going to be expecting like a facelift yes basically yeah. and that's where i think you, you potentially have issues where you start putting those large volumes in and it does add up hmm. And unless you can provide a spectacular result, that patient's never going to be happy. Look, and I used yeah. to do it, and, yeah. and now I don't. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've tried, and, and I've been honest with patients. I've said, look, your skin quality's not great. 
yes, you're volume deficient, but I can't make the skin better. Whereas yeah. this new product yeah. does. Wow. So it's interesting. So you get that immediate lifting effect because you've got HA, but in three months time, you get the biostimulatory effect. So the results are beautiful, particularly for that, like that crepiness when yeah. someone smiles, they get the yeah. ripple of the crow's yeah. feet down the cheek. That patient is a, is a great candidate wow. for it. And can you use it sort of in the body? Can you use it on the neck? I'm assuming. Uh, look, I don't know. We'll have to get Andre on and talk yeah. about it. And um, I'm assuming it's not cross-linked. I'm assuming it's... Uh, a... The HA is. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, but obviously the, the calcium's different. Right. So it's it's a true hybrid. It's different. So how does it differ from something like a radius, which is like a calcium hydroxyapatite? So, it's got the... Yeah. So um, a radius is, if, if you kind of look at the constituents of what's yeah. in the syringe, about 70% of it is just a carrier molecule. Right. It's called carboxymethacellulose, I think. So yeah. it's basically just stuff yeah. that then stuff. goes away you know it, it's yeah. just a carrier yeah right so there's a smaller amount of calcium per, right. per volume right um whereas this is pure well wow. I, I don't use the wrong terminology but pure calcium right so therefore what you see is what you get it, it doesn't disappear right um and you don't you know with, with ready s some people who would criticize it will say you get this beautiful shaping immediately disappears once the carry molecule sort of dissolves yeah. or gets resorbed. So it's different. Right. Yeah. All these things are slightly different. Wow. That's, so that's exciting. Coming uh, at some point, I couldn't tell you where yeah. in Australia, but I know it's in Europe now and, and my colleagues are loving it. Yeah. Was there much um, discussion around like Profilo, which has just been, yes. uh, well, it's about to be launched here, I think at A22, which is Dr. Correct. Stephen Liu's conference here. I'm quite excited. Yeah. And I think we're going to be discussing it. We're, I think we are going to be showcasing it here on the podcast. I think we're, being am, very I, am, am, I, am I sort of laying the cat out no, the bag? No, 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 no. Let's tell the people yeah. it's coming. I don't think yeah. it's a secret anymore. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, how, I mean, did you have, was there much discussion and hype around Profilo over there? Which I guess is probably not as new there because it's, it's sort of- Correct. Was it, it's sort of pretty, you know, ancient history over there. Now. Yeah. My friends in the UK have had it for at least five years. Oh my God. Uh, and, and it was, you know, it's from Italy. So a lot of Europe have already had it. It's not in the States. So yeah. if you're in the States, you probably wouldn't have heard of it. But again, this is kind of an unusual new type of- Technically, it's a filler, but um, they would call it more of a bioremodeler. Right. So again, it's working more on skin, but also elasticity, yep. collagen. Um, you know, it's just different. Yep. So it's not like your traditional filler. It's injected in a different way. Um, and we'll talk about that on the podcast. But yeah, um, the, the newer thing that they've done is Profilo Body. Ooh. So they've got a new template for, you know, the, the classic one is sort of the abdomen of um, women who've had babies. Yep. get a little bit of crepiness and or loss white, of elasticity. Yeah, or major, what, what, huge weight loss patients potentially. Yeah, look, I, I think it would be a bit rich to say that these patients are good candidates. They, yeah. they probably need surgery. Yeah, but, of course. You know, that that mild laxity yeah. where, you know, we see it on the face as well. That That's what Profilo Body is for. Wow. And how would that work from, uh, like, what sort of volumes does it come in when you sort of look um, at it? I price, believe, I guess, yeah. um, we'll have to ask George when we get him yeah. on for the Profilo podcast, but you get a two mil syringe for the face, so one mil per side. Yep. You can also use that on the neck. Yep. You can also use that on the decolletage. So yep. technically you could have, you know, six mils. So two for the face, two for the wow. neck, two for the chest. And then the Profilo body, I think, comes in a three mil syringe because, you know, a bit, yeah, bit of a bigger surface area. That's great. I mean, I had my first Profilo treatment about two, three weeks ago. Did you? Yeah, on my decolletage. Sneaky. Yeah. Dr. I, Dr. Dana Lim from, from Shape Clinic here in Australia did it for me. So I'm go apparently the first one is more of a hydration effect and the correct. second one is when you see the... The, the, uh, the full the, magic. The full magic. So I'm looking forward to getting my second one. But Mr. Collagen. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
that's actually yeah. pretty accurate. Um, what else did I notice? Oh, yeah. New, well, I can't even remember the name of some of them. There, yep. there, there were a couple of new filler brands um, that not only new filler brands, but the, the way they cross-link is different. Right. So we traditionally cross-link our fillers with something called BDDE, um, which, you know, is used in many sort of chemical products. It's yep. not... It's not a new thing, but almost all of our HAs are BDDE linked. Yep. And that's just become standard. But these two other companies, so one's called Nuvia. Yep. Um, I, again, I believe they're from Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, in Milan, I think it's their headquarters. So I had a chat with those guys and they link their fillers with something called PEG, P-E-G. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's there's lots of claims about how it how it's much less immuno- um, sort of stimulatory yep. so risk of well they claim granulomas being less and so on i think take these with a pinch of salt but nevertheless it's interesting yeah and, and and they're trying to do something different um there was another company um called halura which i also believes israeli but um i heard about this in sweden and they cross link with something else again and they were saying that their filler, they're using very, very low concentrations. So think of something like Voluma, 20 milligrams of hyaluronic acid per mil. Well, they were using just like eight or six, depending on what they're using in the range. Right. And they're getting impressive lift, impressive longevity because of the way they're cross-linking differently. Yep. Right. So again, we have to get these people on. I can't tell you more than that, but it's just interesting to see wow. what's out there. And what was like the general... I guess, vibe of the people there that you met in terms of, I guess, people's thoughts on where the industry is going, new products that are coming out. Um, uh, yeah, just it, it sort of, when the last time I went to IMCAS, which was many, many years ago, it was, it was sort of, it was really interesting just seeing the dynamics between different people from different regions of the world, what yeah. what the trends that were going on there in their country, their attitudes towards certain treatments or certain demo, you know, certain uh, injecting groups within within their industry. Yeah, so just I guess you know high level sort of you know. Um, I guess on the one hand, it's pretty homogenous. I mean. Yeah. Most people have got most products, but there's certainly some nuances. Yeah. So I spoke to a lot of Americans and. You know, they did, They just don't have certain products. They don't have Volux. Um, they don't have uh, Volite from the Allegan range. They don't have Profilo. Um, you know, there's just certain things that we, even in Australia, kind of have taken for granted for a few years now. Right. But they just don't have it. Is it regulatory? Yeah, it's the FDA. So right. it's the American sort of TGA version. Um, yeah. So very strict, um, you know, highly compliant and which is good for the patient yeah but just for the injectors i think they 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 feel a little bit of frustration that they're they're like really behind the times sometimes well especially with like you know podcasts like this and social media you sort of you get that zone envy almost i think fomo yeah (laughs) filler fomo yeah and and what's their sort of attitudes towards australian injectors i mean we're pretty small on the on the world scale in terms of you know population and and key opinion leaders and i mean there were a couple of australians who i didn't even know were there until after the event i saw on social media there's a few people there not like i'm hugely friendly with them but i would have said hi it would be nice to sort of catch up um i did notice with the actual speakers there was I can't name a single Australian who was right. there. Maybe there was one, but, yep. but I don't know them. But very underrepresented, so mm. that's kind of disappointing, annoying. Um, because, you know, we're actually really strong here. Yeah. We've got, a, you know, both from a consumer perspective, we've got one of the most hungry uh, consumer markets in the world, but also um, 
we've got people like Greg Goodman, Stephen Liu. Um, we, we, we're leading the way in some research complications management. Um, we are behind in ultrasound. And yeah. We have to be honest about that because we were due to learn and, and courses were going to be here two or three years ago and we yeah, just got couldn't tired. do it. So from that perspective, I think we're both ahead and behind. It's kind of, it's, it's strange. Yeah. Um, because, you know, these conferences are just more accessible in Europe. Yeah. I really felt that divide or, the, or that distance, you know, just, you know, me getting on a plane and spending a day just to get there. Whereas these people can hop across in an yeah. hour and be back in their clinic the next day. Yeah. So it's just easier yeah. for, for a lot of these territories just to sort of dip in, dip out, the, you know, I guess they take it for granted because mm. everything is is there. Now talk to me about the nursing situation because oh, I, I, I heard that there were no nurses. There were some that turned up, they were turned away. Um, um, well, I only what, know one example, but I'm sure yeah. it happened to more than one. So a good friend, I won't you know, mention her name because it's kind of embarrassing really, but she came all the way. From, and from like from Australia. Oh wow! Yeah, and she bought um, it. She bought a ticket. Yeah. So there's okay. Okay. So not to muddle this, so nurse practitioners can go to IMCAS and access everything. Right. Uh, registered nurses can go and buy a ticket. I believe they have to sort of do something weird, like have a have a doctor's name associated with them or, or yeah, something. Right. Yeah. But they can't go into basically all of the in injectable, you know lectures that you're going to want to listen to as an injector so right. for example cadavers and yeah, right. all the rest of it so it, it, anyway so she turns up in paris and she texts me she said um i can't go so what, what do you mean you can't go she's like oh i've read the fine print and i can't go i was like really? i can't believe that thank god that was actually a very minor part of her whole trip she, she she's traveled around europe and she's had a great time so it's just Wow, imagine yes. you traveled all that way just for that. Yeah, exactly. You would have been, well, more than pissed. You'd have been absolutely My God. spitting feathers. And I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I know there are certain parts of the world where nurses don't inject or can't inject, but they're pretty prominent in in like countries like Australia, which is like probably more, it's like probably closer to 80% now yeah, of the, our injectors. The, America, it's huge. Yeah. I just, I find it difficult to, and, well, and yeah, the reasoning behind that. Yeah, it was hard for me to reconcile. I don't know. Um, I, I guess all you can say is the host country can do what it likes. Right. And this um, was Paris. I mean, when France. I went to IMCAS, I'm not even a nurse and I went, sat in and watched all the lectures. So oh, it's a long time ago, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but right. yeah, so uh, very strange, uh, frustrating, um, I, I don't think it's promoting, you know, you know, that sort of community spirit at all. Inclusivity. Yeah. Inclusivity. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and if you want, you know, countries like Australia to be more represented, well, you have to think about, well, who are we? Who are injectors? Well, it's almost like, you know, there's, you know, you, you, you sort of hear and see a lot of criticism directed at nurses um, by certain groups of people. And it's like, well, do you want them to get better or not? Are you criticizing them because, they don't have the same level of knowledge and training that you have, or you yeah. don't like them because they're financially a threat to you. But if you're genuinely of the opinion that we should all get better at what we do and it's all about patient safety, then why would you be against wanting to further educate a large cohort, like the largest cohort, particularly in Australia? Yeah. I, look, uh, we've even had guests on where in their own country, you know, there are no nurses injecting. And even some of the remarks that they've had have been a bit, well, but, yeah. you know, seem a bit blunt yes. to put it politely yeah right yeah um but you know it, we have to respect different cultures and and i guess we just you know if it was in australia it wouldn't be a deal yeah. a, a problem yeah 
So, disappointing, but uh, yeah, yeah it was enough. disappointing. But I just felt more bad for her. Yeah, I mean, just pretty shit. But how'd you buy a ticket? If how'd they let you to buy? Well, a ticket it, yeah. So, so the kind of the loophole is oh, but you can go and watch like the you know the skin lectures. You can go to the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can come and like spend money with us, but you can't actually access anything. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty shit. If I'm honest. Wow. Um, obviously there was um a couple of new toxins mentioned. We, yes. we, we've had one recently on the podcast, Illusions. Yes. So they were sort of launching that in a major way, but there's also um, another one coming from Chroma. Yes. So it's a bit interesting. So it's called Litibo. Yep. Um, another weird name. <laughs> I don't know who thinks these names. <laughs> so who, I just see who makes these. It's like the same people that make memes. Who are these people? Oh, <laughs> thinking of man. these names. Can you imagine these people sat in a room going, right, what would be good? Yeah. Um, hmm. Latibo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go with that. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing is, that, so that's actually not a new toxin. It's a, you know, they, they've licensed yeah. it off, uh, a South Korean company called, get this wrong, Hugen, I think they're called. Right. And they make Botulax. So Botulax has been around for years. It's the Korean toxin. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nothing wrong with it. It's, 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 you know, it's just less used around yeah. the world because it's the Korean toxin. But so they've licensed that and got European approval. And I think the interesting thing was they, they managed to get approval in like 20 plus countries in, in one sort of regulatory process. So they didn't have to go to each country separately. Yeah, right. So I don't know how they did that. But anyway, and who's, got, who's got the license for it? Chroma. Chroma. So Chroma um, make princess fillers. Right. Okay. Uh, which has been rebranded to something called Safer, I think. It's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. What, I hope I'm what, getting these names what right. What filler are you going to use me? Safer. I'll go with that one. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> I need to check that. Maybe it's not Safer. I, th I think it's Safer. More safe. More yeah. Safe. <laughs> safer than the others. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, we've lost the plot. Yeah. Um, anyway, so a couple of new toxins. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, what got me angry because it's just my little baby is fat dissolving. Just oh, it's didn't, it seems like it's just died. Didn't hear slow. a peep. And right. you know, here in Australia, we've got one branded one, but in Europe, there's several. Right. You've obviously got Belkyra, but you've also got um, something called Dizo and um, Aquilix. Those are at right. least three used in the UK. Yeah. And, you know, having chatted to colleagues and, and Gillian, who we had on the podcast, yep. she's, she's very into the, obviously the pharmacology being a pharma, pharma sorry, a pharmacist. Yep. Um, she's got concerns about, you know, some of these lesser well-known fat dissolving products being used inappropriately. Right. And, you know, and, and the risks are, you know, skin necrosis and, and terrible stuff. So, it's interesting that, you know, these things are being used and sold, but no one's talking about it. Mm. No one. Why do you think that is? I, I, I don't know. I, it's a mystery to me. It, it annoys me. I'm actually probably going to submit an abstract and, and maybe do a talk next year. I've right. decided. I'm going to hit two birds with one stone. I have an Australian talking. You're right. Or British Australian. Yeah. You're almost Australian now. <laughs> yeah. And talk about fat dissolving. Because yeah, it's, it's just, it's like the, the poor man's injector. Everyone's just forgotten about it. Do you think it's because of all these fat freezing technologies that have come onto the market? They're sort of well, the, I don't think they cannibalize each other. I think okay. they're, they're, there's a place. Where it's a bit like you know arguing about PDO threads and and Red Yes. Yeah, they do similar things, but they're different. Yeah, different modalities. And and some people don't want to sit there. It hurts. Well, some people will say it hurts on core sculpting or a fat freezing. I, I I've done it once, and I and I found it 
I, I'm, I'm very must be very cold and tolerant. I just right. hurt. Hence, so hence no, living, no longer living in England. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, exactly. My fingers used to get cold in the winter. Um, but anyway, I don't have rain nodes. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, many people sort of heard about the podcast over there. Did you have a lot of sort of... It was really nice. I, yeah. I had quite a few people come up to me who, of course, I didn't recognize, but they, they've said they've listened. Um, some from, you know, all over the place, a few selfies here and there, which oh, is cool. nice. Nice. Um, a lot of love for you, not oh, just awesome. me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And, you know, I, I think it, it it just hits the mark. I think we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. And, yeah. and that, that that's kind of relates to what we were saying at the start of this podcast. We're going to get onto it eventually yes. about the whole tribalism and division in our yeah. industry. I think, platforms like this are hugely helpful yeah even though we didn't sort of intend it this way because we can just get on whoever the hell we like yeah and have a good old chat well we all have our inherent biases but we try to be as open as we can and yeah. free with our information and so on well yeah i mean we won't mention names about who or what but you know we've had offers to have people you know sponsor this podcast in its entirety which would potentially come with strings in terms of what we can and can't say and we've been pretty adamant that we haven't wanted to go down that road yeah. because we've wanted to have complete as you said complete autonomy you're not being told by a large corporation that you know you know we can't talk about this you can't have this person on you can't mention that word yeah and that's something we've been really strong on not wanting to be beholden to anyone and that comes with its own problems yeah and, and we'll just be honest with you guys like to make this a viable podcast that we can invest in and keep going we do need money from somewhere yeah. and so it's almost like a you're damned if you do and you're damned yeah. if you don't um you know we've been very lucky to get some sponsorship where we've had great talks and, and we're not limited to what we can say but as soon as you know any farmer or, or product gets involved th th there are laws and and yeah things that you can and can't do yeah and so it makes it sort of tricky for us yeah yeah so we'll have to be exploring that because you don't want to lose that objectivity and that freedom to be able to have these discussions and not have be handcuffed by anything but at the same time you know we do need to work on ways to i guess further monetize what we do because if you think about how much time it takes it's like each episode is probably four to six hours work it, it, it's it's way past that yeah. I, I think we've quoted eight before and, yeah. and i think that's about right crazy it's just you know so if anyone's got any ideas, let us know. Or, or, or deep pockets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just DM us your yeah. credit card details. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so tribalism. Where, yeah. do you, where do you want to start with this? Um, well, well let, let's let's reel back to this whole Instagram thing. Because right. it's, it's oh, a yes, great it's, example of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Injector in America has an event. The, the problem that I have with this whole story is we don't know what happened. Yeah. And why should we? He's he's not sharing it, but yeah. he decided to make something public, yep. which then, for mine, you know, my understanding is if you're going to make an accusation on the product did it to me, then we would also like to know well what actually happened, when yep. did it happen, da da da. So from that perspective, I think it's it's just impossible to comment. End of. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, it has gone viral, and yeah. injectors are talking about it. So. It, it seems potentially like a deliberate attempt to stir up the pot. I don't know. I'm, mm. I'm certainly not claiming anyone's sort of behind it apart from himself, but it, it, it you know, I, I just sort of wonder w what the point is. Mm. Um, you know, anyone using any particular product can only talk about their own experience. Um, so for me, I'm really happy with the products that I use. Um, 
people will be sitting there going, oh, but yeah, you're an Allegan KOL and so on. But I, I, I would certainly not use a product that I didn't like or yeah. my patients were getting complications with. So that seems pretty obvious and intuitive to me. But I think lesser experienced injectors are sort of scratching their head going, oh, maybe there's something in this. Yeah. Um, well, and, and that's difficult. I mean, you know, speaking to your girlfriend up there, yeah. she's a new injector. She's doing great. She's loving what she does. But as soon as you see a different technique yeah. taught to you or, or some other rep comes to your clinic with a new product, it, it throws you. Yeah. And, you and you start questioning if everything you learned was wrong. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, it's difficult for new injectors. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Easily influenced. Um, and, there are, and there are becoming more and more options for people. Yeah. And, you know, it's getting more complicated by the day, I think, especially with people coming into the industry trying to get their head around all of this in a relatively short space of time. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the, the product in question that I think was kind of accused or alluded to being the culprit, you sort of wonder as well if it's probably the most used product in the world, certainly in, in specific regions, then, yeah. of course, it's going to have a higher rate of complication because it's being used more. Yeah. I mean, I had a great chat with someone just yesterday. He's a doctor and not aligned whereabouts with, in australia or overseas? in australia yeah. yeah right and i was like the analogy I, I i have with this whole story that we just alluded to is um the covid vaccines yeah so everyone was going bananas about for or against mm -hmm. anti um you're gonna die or not die and so yeah. on well if you take the majority which were the vaxxed yeah. versus the minority which the anti-vaxxed the anti-vaxxed sort of argument and i'm, I'm not trying to stir up any arguments now but just to illustrate the point that there were, of course, a smaller number of anti-vaxxed people yep. who um, had problems because they didn't have vaccines. Yep. But of course, if you look at them proportionally, the amount who died or, or yep. had serious illness were the unvaxxed. It's, yep. it's just statistics. It's not a right or wrong thing. Yep. And yet you can cherry pick the data any way you like and yep. spin an argument any way you like, depending on yep. how you want to. Yep. Um, so we've already seen how arguments like this on social media go. They go nowhere yeah. apart from people get angry mm -hmm. and you, you can't prove you're right. No one cares if, if they're right. Cause you've got your own personal conviction that you're right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. I, I just don't understand the point of the story apart from to stir up anger. Mm. Um, and, and there's no science to it. So where's it at the moment? Do we know if this person's made recovery? I don't, know. I, I, I don't want to make any, we don't know. Right. Maybe we should get them on. <laughs> oh, look, if you are listening or, or connected to the injector, we'd love to have him on because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to deliberately to not make a judgment on what actually happened because I yeah. don't know. that That's the point. Yeah. Um, but the insinuation is that he does know. Right. Okay. Um, so... Well, if you're listening out there, hit yeah. us up. Yes. <laughs> we, 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 we do do on. some episodes called Disasters and Solutions. Yeah. So <laughs> it would be, be nicely great. with that. That'd be an awesome chat. So I guess in terms of tribalism itself, it's it's not just peculiar to injectables. This is like everything we do in life, no matter what football team you go for, your political views, your social views, yeah. um, you know, sporting teams. It, it's sort of, it seems to be inherently in hard-coded into us as human beings to um, congregate in tribes Be or groups. Assholes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, the assumption is that, like, you know, medical professionals would rise above that, um, but it doesn't seem to be well, the look, case. It's, I, it's, I can tell you now, having, forget injecting, having worked in a hospital, Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's physicians versus surgeons. It's 
orthopods versus colorectal. It's him v her, nurse v doctor. It's everyone v everyone. What the fuck's wrong with us? <laughs> oh, look, I, I, look I, I did do a post on this. I, yeah. I think it, it's human nature to, yeah. want to want to find a bit of a commonality with your little tribe. Yeah. Because you've got common stuff to talk about and you back each other and you, you've yeah. all got your own, you know, whether it's about a pay dispute or, or your terms and conditions, you, you find those people who resonate with you. Yeah. And you sort of, you know. Well, it's a survival thing, isn't it? Because you can only survive as a community. Human yes. beings need to, to, I mean, all I mean, all species in the world that, that sort of tend to congregate in, in, in groups tend to be more successful. You look at like wolf packs and, yep. and things like that. They work together as a, as, a, as a team, as one unit, and they tend to be more successful in in the sort of, you know, the hierarchy. Apart of, from the runt of the litter. Yeah, exactly. Well, they don't make it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, but, yeah. Look, I, I don't know. And, you know, we've discussed this on particularly, I think it was episode 126 when we had the panel chat yes. with um, Davin and, and Jacinta and Stephen and Michael. There are inherent... Um, you know, doctors yeah. have got their own way of doing things and yeah. nurses have to do things differently because they need a prescribing doctor. So just by definition, there are differences. Right. But, you know, it became sort of acutely apparent to me on certain instances when I was away that, you know, a lot of the people who maybe trained for one company, mm -hmm. just by default, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. Yep. They've got an anti-other company attitude. Right. I, I saw it. Um, I wasn't there representing anyone apart from myself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was around lots of colleagues from different companies and, you know, just like little sort of words here and there and, and jibes and jabs. And it wasn't banter. It, it, it felt more like a division. Yeah, right. And I just thought, this is just so pathetic. It's like playground stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, if you're indoctrinated by one way of doing something yeah. and you don't ever peek over the parapet and have a look mm. at what the other side are doing and you just restrict yourself to one thing, maybe that's just going to happen. Well, I think it's sort of healthy to engage with people you disagree with. That's why I love the podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, we disagree. That's why I love you. Yeah. We always argue. <laughs> but I mean, how, how, if you're constantly in this echo chamber of, 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 having, of being engaged with people that share the same thoughts and views as you, that's, that might feel good. Yeah. Because it's nice to be surrounded by, you know, that, that sort of positive affirmation and people agreeing with you. But yeah. you're not learning. You're not being challenged. You're not questioning your thoughts and beliefs. You're not growing as a person, you know, spiritually, mentally. You know, you, you're just not. So, I kind of wonder you know, how does that impact the education process? Because, you know, it is a form of medicine, yeah. whether you like it or not, no matter how much, you know, businesses try and play it down as, you know, sort of fairly innocuous stuff you're getting done. It's not, it's serious stuff. Yeah. Um, and with the industry growing so much, how do you think this sort of, this tribalism is, is impacting our ability to educate um, objectively? Well, I'll tell you um, what yeah. was interesting, and, and I've known this for a long time, but to actually interact with my colleagues. So, the American key opinion leaders, I hate that word, but, you know, we, we'll call them key opinion leaders. They very routinely train for multiple companies, yep. not just one. Right. So many of the Galderma trainers are Allegan trainers and vice versa. Um, some aren't, but, you know, many are. Whereas that's quite unusual, particularly here in Australia. You might right. have a handful of, you know, very prominent people. Yeah. But generally, I don't even know if it's accepted or, or not tolerated, but it's just not done. Right. Um, and maybe I'm not saying I want to, but you know, maybe that open attitude to being allowed to, if you want to, and don't, if you don't want to would, would bridge some of those gaps yeah. because then, you know, you, you're just playing for the injector team, not, not the brand team. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it was just kind of a, 
an example that I noticed when I was chatting to some of my colleagues. And I was like, oh, that's really refreshing that you kind of do lots of stuff. Yeah. And I guess that would, I mean, it just allows you to be free to think for yourself a little bit and, and looking at both sides of an argument or, you know, the benefits of different products and where some might fall short or even just, you know, certain products that might be better in certain individuals or certain areas of the face or certain situations where you've got that ability to, to sort of pick and choose and use a variety of different modalities and products. Yeah. I mean, look, I've certainly used a lot of stuff in my time and I've now sort of settled on something that works for me, but you know, I think for new injectors who who maybe sort of see some of this arguments online and think, oh, I, I don't know, it, it, it's yeah, it's not black and white. Is basically what I'm well, trying yeah. to say. And I, and I don't think it's 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 just isolated to key opinion leaders. I mean, you know, the, I guess when you look at what is a key opinion leader, it's someone who is respected, probably has a you know a relatively big um, public profile in this space. Mm. And so it's not just isolated to what these pharmaceutical companies deem as their key opinion leader. I mean, you've got, you know, lots of injectors with huge social media followings on Instagram and TikTok and all these other things who are also driving a lot of their own agendas or creating unnecessary um, noise or, in you know, stuff that's not factual or not, or not double-checked that are also causing this sort, these sorts of things to happen too. I actually think that's the more pressing and more obvious, yeah. I'm not going to call it issue, but observation. Mm. Um, you know, this going back to this injector and the story and, mm -hmm. and so on, it's, it's a trial by social media. <laughs> it, it, is. it is, yeah. And, and, you know, you've kind of got the fours and the against and no one's arbitrating talking about real science or yeah. proper robust debate. It's anecdotal, or, yeah. It's, you know, and, and that's not to say that an anecdote can't be real for that person. That person, I'm sure he was sick, but we can't really take anything from it. It's, yeah. it's just sad that an injector's sick. That, that's all I can say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it's sad, you know, well, I gather he's a trainer, so it's, it's sad that he doesn't want to promote, you know, real real kind of you know look into complications and talk about it properly mm. uh, and and how was it managed like mm -hmm. what, what 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 did you do what would you do differently next time well i kind of feel if you if you've taken the um a, a attitude that you want to share your disaster online then you almost have a responsibility to see that through to the end and if you're going to start a fire then you should be there to put it out or to at least manage it and say, well, this is what happened. This was what I thought. This is how it's eventuated. This is the outcome. So at least people are learning rather than just being shocked and horrified and creating noise that really doesn't have any constructive ending to it. Yeah. I don't know. Go, going back yeah. to what you're saying about big uh, injector influences. Yeah. Again, we won't use any names, but again, you know, it's not their job to educate, although, that's what some they, of them do. Some of them take it upon themselves to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what they will say they yeah. were doing. But you know, again, there's a lot of memes and, yeah. and jokiness about this stuff. Yeah, and you kind of go, well, okay, but is is that really educating us, or are you just having another dig? Yeah, and and that's fine if you want to have a dig. That that's cool. But it, it but on the other hand, they'll say that KOLs are kind of paid stooges, yeah. and, and that they have the truth. So if, if you want to tell us the truth, then talk about the science, not just yeah. the jokes and the gags. It's kind of funny. You know, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen like a neurosurgeon or a cardiothoracic surgeon <laughs> no. with an Instagram account doing, you know, memes and, you know, getting 
you know, their entire clinics to, you know, get involved in, in some sort of Dances. gag. Yeah, you don't see that. It's just, it's so peculiar, this industry. It's there, sort of, everyone's looking for an edge to get to get attention at yeah. any cost. And look, um, comes down to our industry being a very visible industry. Yeah, it's, that's um, true. I mean, I find them entertaining. I, I like, you know, I'm not saying that I don't like watching them. I just find it an interesting observation that this is such a peculiar peculiar niche. You don't see this type of behavior in, in other disciplines. There's a couple of, um, I've come across a couple of American sites and, and yeah. presumably they are also injectors but they're like ocular plastic yeah or you know like they're, they're kind of well i guess they're derms so yeah, yeah they're still aesthetic yeah <laughs> i'm trying to make excuses about it, <laughs> but i can't but yeah you're not going to find um a hemorrhoid specialist <laughs> that'd be funny they could have some great <laughs> some great content bunch of grapes and- yeah yeah <laughs> God. <laughs> so what's the answer, do you think? I mean, do you think there's a solution or are we just... I just think... Uh, you think it's just, it's just part and parcel of being human in this industry? Um, look, f- from the nice feedback that I got in MCAS, it is platforms like this. Yeah. It's giving people the chance to talk properly yeah. without people screaming at you or writing shit in the comments. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's a conversation. W- and they're imperfect. They're imperfect. You don't always articulate exactly what you mean it's it's real it's like having a conversation with someone over a coffee or over a dinner where you know you get a chance to get to know the person it's very hard to fake who you are for an hour i I, I think so and it's normally an hour and a half yeah yeah it's difficult um you know we try our 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 best and and we do have a whatsapp group for for listeners if you want to join just go to the the link in our instagram and, and just go down to the whatsapp group link but we try and gather questions that we think are relevant yeah. and, and we ask challenging questions and side effects and so on, because we're not here to dress up yeah. a topic. We're here to get the truth. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, you know, we can't ask every question, but I, I think that we, we generally hit the mark. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, th- I think, you know, this platform allows us to invite whoever we like. We've tried to represent nurses, doctors, dentists, everyone, um, all brands and we'll get more brands on some of them we've mentioned today. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's the only way of doing it. Like yeah. just have a proper chat. Let someone talk Yeah. yeah. rather than be berated in a comment and, <laughs> and you know, and just, <laughs> I hate you and you hate me. And it's not productive. No. Uh, you know, I'm guilty of this as well. I use social media a, a lot or at least Instagram, but it's not the platform for science. No. I don't mind like giving a concept or, or, or introducing something, but you can't talk about the research and no one gives a crap really. They're not there for the learning. They're there for the spectacle. Yeah. The entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of, you know, quick snippets of information. So it reminds yeah. me of like those medieval times where the whole crowd would yeah. gather to see someone get flogged. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the town square for an execution. Yeah. Or have rotten apples thrown at them. Yeah. Like, you know, people are voyeurs. Yeah. They're, they're not generally there for the learning. They just want to watch the spectacle. Yeah. That's who we are. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts from a business perspective? I mean, for example, let's take it back down to a real local level. You must yeah. have had inter-injector rivalry. In fact, <laughs> we went through it together when yeah. I first joined your clinic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. I mean... Um, yeah, everyone wants to be, you know, the king of the mountain. Everyone wants to be, especially when you've got, you know, a clinic with with multiple injectors in it. There is always that, 
you know, rivalry or that competitiveness between between people. And and some people take it to a point where it's more than just friendly competition. It becomes making up stories. It can be, you know, you know, <laughs> quite quite nasty and 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 not constructive at all. Yeah. Um, and it is difficult to manage. And I think that um, you know, in terms of how you deal with it, it's um it's challenging because as a business owner, you want to try and be objective and not take sides. And obviously when you're working in a business, there are people, there are people that work for you who you like more personally, who you get on with more. And, you know, you have to be able to separate yourself from your personal feelings towards someone mm. um, and look at a situation objectively and look at the facts and, and try and create an environment which promotes harmony, working as a team, um, understanding that, you know, when you are part of a, of a of a singular unit, that you're all impacting each other's success to a certain extent. Mm. Um, if you're working out of a clinic that has a great reputation, all it takes is one person to do the wrong thing, to you know get caught up in some scandal, or you know have a major complication. And you know, you, you see instances where you know people almost take joy in other people's yeah. challenges and, and failures and, and disasters. Um, and you know, it's you don't want those people on your team. No. <laughs> it's 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 very difficult. But I think from business owners' perspective, that it, it's important that a you have a good even if you're not the practitioner, that you have a really good understanding of what it is that your business does. Mm. Um, what's involved? What is what is it that you guys do? Um, what are the challenges that you face? Um, how to deal with with stressful situations, with complications, with irate, irrational patients. Um, so you can actually empathize with them and work through challenges together. Um, and I think that sometimes people put, you know, doctors and nurses on pedestals and just because you have a medical degree or nurse's registration or you're a surgeon that you know everything about everything. And it's, it's not possible. I mean, if you spend all your, all your time um, learning a certain discipline, then how can, you, how can you understand business? How can you understand interpersonal relationships and, and, and sort, of, uh, sort of in the workforce and, and psychology and, and dealing with, you know, inflamed situation. So I think that A, it's it's important that you really, really understand your business, that you pick your team very carefully, that you remain objective, that you always work on facts rather than feelings. Yeah. Um, and that you try and engage people in the solution rather than just making an arbitrary decision. Yeah. I mean, I know in some of the challenges I had with you and another injector that was working at my clinic, it was about trying to get people together to talk about things. Um, rather than just going on, he said, she said, it's like, let's go grab a coffee. Let's talk about it. What is it that you've got a concern with? What has this person done that's upset you? What do you think has been handled badly here? Okay, what do you think about that? How can, we, how can we make sure this doesn't happen in the future? You know, following things up in writing, getting commitments from people that this is the way that we're going to do things as a team collectively moving forward. So rather than, you know, me being the boss or whoever, you know, and, and sort of making laying down the law and putting all these, you know, stringent um, – you know, uh, draconian rules in place that make it a, in a place where you don't want to work is actually trying to be just another member of the team and working together and understanding that, you know, sometimes people are going to have an off day, things are going to go wrong, but we're here to support each other because, you know, the high tide raises all ships and, and vice versa. So is that your pitch for Seagal Consulting <laughs> Services? Because I thought that was great. <laughs> There'll be people listening saying, can you be my boss? Yeah it's, yeah, it's difficult. It really is. I mean, and I think that sometimes when you've been in this industry for so long that you, you take for granted 
sort of the, the knowledge that you have and the things that you pick up because it is really nuanced. Yeah. It's not like, you know, running a news agency or not there's anything, not, I'm not saying anything disparaging about that, but it, it's, it's highly nuanced. It, it, you know, it's very specific information and knowledge that you need to have, I think, to own a business in this space. Yeah. And by the way, we did genuinely have that situation. Yeah, we did. And you genuinely dealt with it that way. Yeah. So kudos to you. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, the other sort of tribal thing that I noticed, which is, I guess, relevant to me, was the, you can call it the anti-ultrasound attitude why what's 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 the rationale my my sort of insight into it was you've got the do's and the do nots so uh, this is like an aspiration argument yeah almost it's it's a very polarized thing there's not many people who kind of dabble because you're either going to buy an expensive piece of equipment and use it or you're not yeah um i guess it again it comes down to um change yep People, you know, who maybe have been doing something well and and celebrated as as good injectors, suddenly not being questioned sort of explicitly, but you know there are questions just about technique. If you're not doing something under ultrasound, right? And suddenly there's proof that it could be potentially yeah. safe or unsafe. Yeah. Um. You know, I I just think it's sort of a natural evolution that things change, whether yeah. it's you know whatever industry yeah um and it's confronting you know Mm -hmm. and again if you're listening i'm not saying that you should learn ultrasound even though yes i'll be running a course and so on and i'm going to try it myself but it's it's more just be open-minded enough to have respect for colleagues to say wow that's really interesting let me come and have a play and i'll decide then if it's not for me rather than just rule it out and say no that's rubbish yeah. Do you think there's an element of people not wanting to feel like an amateur again at something? Correct. Mm. And and I, you know, I can, I can understand that. Like if you put a new filler in my hand or, or a yeah. thread or yeah. something that I don't, you know, regularly use, it's kind of weird to feel like the amateur again. But that's good though, isn't it? I mean, it, it's... Oh, it is. Yeah. It, I, I like learning yeah. and, I, and I like challenging myself to think in different ways, but some people don't. Yeah. They, you know... It's just out of their comfort zone. It's sort of like, what's that saying? You know, if you're the smartest person in the room, it's time to change rooms. Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> right? Just, how do you evolve then? I mean, if you stop progressing and challenging yourself, then you're sort of stagnating, I think, yeah. to a certain extent. I mean, yeah. Now, I'll give you another random example. And I've got Lee's um, permission to use this example. We were talking yesterday with him on WhatsApp, yeah. Lee Walker. And... Someone on Instagram, uh, sorry, not Instagram, Facebook, um, did a kind of rude post, basically, and they said, um, so who out there knew that Dr. Lee Walker is a dentist and not a doctor? Uh Um, Because I think that that is false advertising, that he calls himself a doctor and blah, blah, blah. Basically, you know, he should get in his own lane and, and be explicit that he's a dentist. And I thought, what a weird thing. So Lee actually sent me the screenshot of this thing and I read it. And I Is this like, a real person that wrote this Real comment? person. Yeah. Right. And based in Australia. Oh yeah. And the, anyway, my point was one, Lee has never said that he's not a dentist. He's never masqueraded or, or pretended to be anything else. We've had him on, we've discussed his background. Um, I, I thought it was common knowledge. He's a dentist, but maybe but it's, not. It's, isn't it? The correct terminology correct. that they. It's, I mean, he's not, not given himself a title. That's what's bespoke so to him people by the who dental PhDs should be able to call themselves doctor either. Is that, is that what they're saying? Well, that's the insinuation, right? 
And um, and and again, I just thought, well, it's, it's tribalism in a in a different way because again, you're you're picking on a group that you're saying needs to sort of get in their own lane yeah. when that person didn't even say they weren't in the lane. It's it's just another silly example of how I don't know. It's just social this, media. Does this being person used. have a specialist qualification? I think they're an NP. Right. Right. Um, Interesting. So. <laughs> Okay. Not that there's anything wrong the, with that, but still. And I'm the being, hilarious thing yeah. was that her her profile was aesthetic nurse. And that, as far as I know, there is no specialty called aesthetic nurse. You're right. You're a nurse or a nurse practitioner, but you can't be an aesthetic nurse as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a lot of hypocrisy and, and finger pointing in that industry. And we've gone through a few examples and I just... We're not going to cure this. I'm no. not naive enough to think that we've got, we're going to heal the world and make it all happy with rainbows and unicorns. But you but know what? I, th- I think if we all make an effort to be more tolerant, more constructive, more forgiving, come from a place of kindness and positivity and potentially giving people the benefit of the doubt and making a concerted effort that, you know, just like you talk about things like climate change. You know, if I stop driving a petrol car tomorrow, is it going to change the global, you know, the carbon footprint of the world? No. Hmm. But every journey begins with the first step. And I think and, and and the more people that have that attitude of, you know, including people, positivity, um, working together, um, and not trying to tear people down, mm. the better we're all gonna be. So I don't think we can change the world. I don't think we can make this problem go away overnight, but we can start a movement of trying to bring people up rather than trying to drag them down. Look, I th- I think many of our listeners are that way inclined. Yeah. Um, I just wish more would be. You, you, you gain nothing from from having little digs like that one yeah. I mentioned about Lee. It just, it, you just look like an idiot. Well, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I just thought it just popped into my head. We had the guys from Comma on yeah. quite a while ago now, um, Tristan, Marcus, and Tapan. And they have set up their own social media that is just for injectors. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm on there regularly because I'm posting for IA and... Mm-hmm. There's no drama. Yeah. There's no arguments because it's not about anything apart from injecting. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of new injectors on there who are asked, you know, seemingly simple questions, but the community's nice and supportive yeah. and and people comment and it, it seems a pretty safe place for injectors. Um and, and you know, you could certainly talk about some of these topics that are raging at the moment without I think the judgment and emotion. Well, yeah, and you want to encourage new injectors to feel safe in this industry and to be able to ask questions and have mentors and be able to admit their errors and ask for help. Yeah. You know, if everyone's sort of petrified in their own corner that they stick their head up, it's going to get chopped off. <laughs> um, that's not good. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not good for anyone. It's definitely not good. Um, so, you know, I've certainly got no shares in common, but check it out. Yeah. If you're an injector and you want more knowledge or help with something or you're looking for a forum that isn't like a, you know, a Facebook group or a WhatsApp yep. group. It's a little bit more formalized. Yeah. Check it out. C-O-M-M-A, comma. Yeah. It's oh, they're a, nice guys too. Really nice guys. Yeah. I saw um, Tristan very briefly. Oh, right. And, and I saw Tepan. Very good. So that was nice. So is there anything else we need to cover on this? Or are we, are um, we, I think we, we, we've, we've done this to death, guys. Yes. I mean, so it's, it's a little bit, well, I guess we should acknowledge that, you know, we've been we've been a bit gappy recently. Yeah. Well, you've been away. Uh, you've been sick. Yeah. Look, we've been a bit of a tricky time with me being away. Um, we've had a guest that had a surgical emergency. So we had to cancel that one. Then I had to cancel the reshoot because then I was sick. 
Um, so we've had a lot of problems, so we do apologize. Sorry yep. um, if that's been the case. You know, and, and sort of harking back to what we said about, um, you know, our time and, and everything, we, we, we may be, we're still looking at how we might do this, but we're looking at ways of maybe making a slightly hybrid model of the podcast where many of the episodes will be free, but maybe the odd one will yep. have to somehow work out um you know how we monetize them so we sort of you know we don't want to overcharge but we also need to somehow sustain this in a way that you still see as valuable yeah if anyone has any ideas or suggestions or they want to make then yeah let us know yeah look we've looked into sort of podcast subscriptions on apple and spotify it's quite confusing if i'm honest um and we don't want to be charging for every one no way but we also don't want to do ad reads all the time either. We've been approached no. to, you know, advertise products for people. And it's just, I hate it. When I'm listening to a podcast and I get interrupted by, you know. Let's tell them about the one that we offered. <laughs> They'll laugh. They need uh, a laugh at the end of this one. We won't mention any, any names, but it was a product that basically <laughs> um, was a, a, a grooming tool for your, uh, for your private regions. <laughs> and um, no matter <laughs> how we thought we would be able to pitch it, or, or sort of talk about it. It just didn't seem to, to work well to ask you, you know, what you use to, uh, <laughs> no. you know, to man, to, uh, <laughs> you to, to do things. Grooming to you. your bits yeah, before exactly, the podcast. Exactly. So we're trying to not do ad reads like that, that give us a bit of money, but make us look like fools. Yeah. Um, yeah. So open to suggestions. Yeah. Like seriously, guys, reach out. We, we try to create a community here. We, we've already said it. We want to make, uh, robust debate we want to get ideas back from you and and you know reach yep. out to us i think the whatsapp group's the easiest way of doing it yep. but if you want to dm us or um our email and text um details are in the bio link on our instagram as well yep. whatever you think just give us some ideas we, we we don't want to change the podcast but we also need to make it work yeah that's actually more valuable to you as well yeah absolutely all right, so before we sign off, just remind all the listeners how they can get engaged in your course that you're running. Oh, yes, ultrasound course. Yeah. So um, it's called Cutaneous Facial Ultrasound. That's the the full name yep. of it, but we'll call it Cutaneous. Um, so Peter Velthius is coming over from Holland. It's yep. 10th wow. of August okay. here in Sydney at the Adina Hotel. Yep. Um, the easiest way to access all the information and book is um, on the bio link on my own Instagram. So Dr. Jake Sloan, yep. just go to the bio link and the first sort of um, link down is ultrasound course Mm -hmm. and that will route you through to the cutaneous website obviously you can book um on the website we've got a ia discount code as well there you go so make it even cheaper for you guys so it's ia x cutaneous right so ia x and then the word cutaneous am i allowed to ask how much it costs are you allowed to say I'm trying to remember because it's in euros. Uh, I'll, I'll quote it in euros and okay. you can work it out. It's 1,950 euros without the discount. With the discount, it's 1,600 euros. Okay. So it's a decent discount. Okay. Nice. And how long does it go for? Uh, it's, it's, it's a day, yes. Yeah, so it would be all day, approximately around quarter to nine through to about five. Right. Obviously, we provide you lunch and refreshments. Ooh, can't um, come for lunch? No. <laughs> You can come and pop in and say hi. I might do Yeah, that. do it. Um, so, you know, there'll be a brief recap on what you guys would have already done on your five hours of right. e-learning. So, you know, if you're going to book a course, do the homework because it'll be so much more relevant because we want everyone to do the hands-on. Yeah. That, that, that's where you're going to learn. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it'd be a lot of fun. We do a lot of different facial areas. Yeah. Um, you know, nose, forehead, temple, jaw, um, under the eye, tear trough, lip, yep. um, chin. So you, you will learn, or at least 
I'm not going to say learn, but you will see how to do everything. Obviously, these things are going to take time yeah. to master. But, and you know, it's a great course. Assuming uh, that's tax deductible. And does it go towards CPD points? Um, no. Well, I don't know. It if should. I don't know <laughs> if they're registered in Holland. I, 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 should, I have to admit, we need to look into that. But certainly tax deductible. Yeah. Um, whether you can claim it through, you know, the, the nursing college or one of your colleges as, you know, clearly it's allied to, to your training. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we need to look into that. Yeah. Well, it seems like a no-brainer to me if you want to, I guess, be at the forefront of where this industry is going, it seems like get on the first train possible and start your education because it's probably the way things are going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously that's available to anyone, but presumably it's going to be Sydney siders and Australians. So yeah. if you want to come to Australia in August and, and meet and have a beer after, you're more than welcome. Absolutely. Excuse to come. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, and we'll be uh, coming to you soon with some pretty exciting episodes that we sort of alluded to at the beginning. So stay tuned. All right. Take care, guys. See you guys. Bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests, and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 